Hi, my name is Adiri Zanskinir. Welcome to the Healthcare Stage, the go-to podcast for innovators dedicated to enhancing health and wellness globally. In each episode, we dive into insightful conversations with those at the forefront of healthcare innovation. This episode is dedicated to ClearCut Medical, a commercial stage medical device company based in Israel. The company developed an innovative, compact, fully shielded MRI system for the operating room. It is designed to allow the surgeon real-time input of intraoperative margin assessment of excised tissue during breast conservative cancer surgery, also known as lumpectomy. Despite the existence of various techniques used to date, it is still difficult for surgeons to fully detect cancerous cells at breast tumor margins during the operation. And in 25% of procedures, the women undergoing lumpectomy are asked to return for a second surgery. The device developed by ClearCut provides the surgeon real-time data during surgery, which does not require the interpretation of the pathologies and allows the surgeon to immediately proceed and remove the remaining malignant tissue and by doing so to prevent an additional surgery. The system is CE marked and ClearCut started selling it in Europe in 2023. Up until now, the company raised $23 million. They are now planning to raise additional $15 million, which will allow them to pursue FDA approval to enhance sales in Europe and to develop additional indications. If you're an investor interested in opportunities in the medical device space, this podcast is for you. I'm delighted to welcome Mr. Chezi Imelfarb, the CEO of ClearCut, as my guest today. With a 25 years tenure in the medical device sector, Chezi has held the CEO position at both Instant and Ramon Medical, two prominent companies in the cardiovascular field. Instant was acquired by Medtronic and Ramon was purchased by Boston Scientific. Following these successful ventures, Chezi led IceCure Medical, known for its cryoablation system aimed at treating breast tumors before taking the lead at two additional firms. Two years ago, Chezi chose to collaborate with the founders of ClearCut, whom he had known personally for many years. As pioneers in the miniaturization of MRI technology, his decision to join ClearCut was driven not only by his confidence in the founder's te- technological capabilities, but also by his belief in the transformative potential of MRI technology. He envisioned a new era where the known benefits of MRI could be integrated into the operating room through a mobile, compact, and user-friendly machine moving beyond the conventional confines of large MRI suites. Hi, Chazi. Hi, Adi. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> Tell us something about yourself. So, uh, actually, you told almost everything, but uh, I will start by uh, telling that uh, originally I'm an electronics engineer. Before joining the medical device area, I worked for 15 years in the high-tech area. Then I moved to the medical area and decided that this is exactly what I want to do, so I will not get back to the high-tech area because of the difference. In medical area, it's different because you help people and you help people that has something wrong in their health. And this is what I'm doing in the last uh, uh, 25 years. And I hope to continue doing it uh, in the next uh, years. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Different when when you work in an industry that is able to improve people's life. Nothing can compete with that. So Hazi, you joined ClearCut two years ago, right? And at that stage, what did they already have? 
So when I joined the company, and it was in February 2022, uh, the company had several uh, important assets. Uh, the first one, they had a product ready for commercialization, for start, you know, marketing and uh, sales. And the product was also uh, had uh, regulatory approval in Europe. The company uh, had very uh, strong intellectual property, 10 patents already approved in several geographies, in the United States, in Europe, in China, and Japan, and India. Uh, intellectual property is important uh, as something that protects the company you know, in two directions, both from uh, other competitors that can claim that we are using something that is similar to their technology, or help uh, us actually against competitors that we believe that uh, they are using uh, our technology. So it's very important, and our position in the intellectual property is very strong. The company had uh, several clinical trials behind them. Those trials uh, proved uh, the effectiveness and efficacy of uh, our device, our technology. And uh, after doing those clinical trials, it helps the company to get the C mark, the regulatory approval in Europe that made us uh, ready for uh, uh, marketing and sales. This is what we started in uh, 2023. And if I already mentioned the sales, then the company has generated uh, an agreement with a pan-European leader in uh, distribution of medical devices. And some of them are uh, directly uh, connected to uh, breast cancer. And uh, we will be using this uh, distributor, a German company called PFM Medical, for uh, sales uh, in Europe. So these are the major assets that the company had before and when I joined the company to use them. So let's take a step back and talk about the value proposition here. What problem are you trying to solve and what did you bring into the market in order to solve this problem? So first of all, we are uh, talking about cancer detection and we actually developed an MRI system, but a very special MRI system. And I'll explain this point. Many people know uh, the big MRI system units in the suites in the hospital where actually you get inside the room, you need to take all the you know, uh, metals out of your body. When the uh, procedure starts, uh, nobody can be in the room except, of course, the patient that is being tested. In our case, we developed a compact and mobile MRI in order to bring it and put it inside the operating room to provide the surgeon some important information in real time during the surgery. Now, since there are other people inside the operating room, then uh, we needed to develop a, a machine that will not create any magnetic radiation outside. So everybody can continue to do what they need to do, stand nearby the machine, our MRI system does not affect any other electronic equipment in the operating room. Any other electronic equipment does not affect uh, our MRI. And uh, we actually, what we do is we don't have any connection with the patient. We scan the tissues that has been already excised cuts from the patient uh, uh, body, in our case, the patient breast. So we scan the tissue and not the patient or the patient 
orgasm, but we can provide the surgeon real-time answers whether there are residuals of cancer in the margin. It's important to say we only test the margin. We are not doing like a regular MRI in-depth uh, testing. So the so, idea here, and it has to do with your first indication, is lumpectomy procedures, right? The idea is right. to allow the surgeon to understand if the margin of the tissue that was excised is, is free of cancerous cells, right? Is clean. Yeah. When we're talking about the margin, and this is actually the most important for us because the margin was attached to the patient breast in, in, in our first application. And if our uh, MRI scanner finds some residuals of cancer in the margin, there is a high probability that there is still residuals of cancer in the patient breast. And in that case, the patient uh, actually should come for additional surgery, a second surgery. This is actually uh, the main thing that we would like to prevent, if possible, or to significantly reduce the second surgery. Uh, so in essence, this technology can be relevant to many surgical procedures in which the surgeon takes out cancerous tissue but you chose to initiate your journey with breast cancer patient undergoing lumpectomy because over there, there is a very high ratio of surgeries. After this surgery, the patient is required to come to a second surgery because the tissue wasn't clean, right? It contained cancerous cell. And the reason is that when the typically nowadays, when the surgeon takes out this piece of tissue, cancerous tissue, it is sent to the pathologist. And it takes days or even weeks until there is a input coming from the pathologist saying if the margins were indeed clean or if there is a need to come for additional surgeries, right? Yes, exactly. So in breast cancer specifically, what you just described happens in 25% of the cases, meaning one out of four patients need to come back for a second surgery. And this is a lot. And if you add to this uh, the fact that uh, the prevalence of breast cancer, unfortunately, is going up all over the world, then the numbers are high and will be higher, you know, from a year to a year. And this is actually what we would like uh, to prevent or to reduce uh, significantly. This is why we chose the breast cancer as our first application because of the high numbers and high percentage. And how many lumpectomies are conducted in a given year? So today, if we look all over the world, it's more than 1 million lumpectomies a year. 1 million. And 25% of those procedures, the patients are being called, as I said, for a second surgery, which is a very high number. When you use this uh, machine, then uh, you need actually uh, to provide answers immediately, not wait for this. As you mentioned, uh, the regular procedure is that the patient is being released to her home, and then uh, the pathologist is testing the margin, but it can take between several days to several weeks. And this has, you know, triple effect. The first and most important is on the patient. Not only that she, in most of the cases, it's she, 
has breast cancer, but now the surgeon that she trusted uh, and she thought he or she is the best in the world calls her and tells her, I did everything okay, but still you need to come for a second surgery. And she thinks, why? Did he fail and he doesn't tell me? If he calls me for a second surgery, is there a chance that he will call me for a third surgery? What about complications? This is something that has a, a major effect, both psychologically and clinically. The second effect is on the surgeon. We know that most of the surgeon, primarily those who work in the private practice, they would like to do as many surgeries as possible, but not at the same patient. No, this is not what they uh, want to do. And the third effect, which is very important for us as a company, is the money. Any surgery, and we're talking about the second surgery, somebody has to pay for this. It costs money. You know, in some countries, it's the hospital. In other countries, it's the government. It could be the patient. It could be, like in the United States, the insurance companies. Just to give you an example, Adi, in the United States, the second surgery, breast cancer surgery, lumpectomy, cost the payer $15,000. It's a huge amount of money, and this is actually what we would like to prevent, if possible, or to reduce significantly. Let's say a word about the mechanism of action of this device. Our device uh, uh, uses a, uh, one of the known protocols of MRI. It's called diffusion-weighted MRI. What we do is actually, we measure the cellularity, okay, the concentration of the atoms. If the cellularity or the concentration of the atoms is very high, so it's very dense, so the fluids can go between the atoms very slowly, this is typical to cancerous tissue. If the cellularity or the concentration of the atoms is low, so there is actually distance between the atoms, the fluids can go very fast between them. This is typically in non-cancerous tissue. And this is actually what we measure. Of course, you know, there is a range. And at the edges of the range, where in one side it's for sure cancerous tissue, and on the other side it's for sure non-malignant tissue, we need to define where is the threshold in order to provide a clear answer. Is it cancerous, suspicious to be cancerous or not? And the location of this or, or the way that we define the threshold is based on all the clinical studies that we did that gave us this actually results and the knowledge where to put the threshold. And this is your claim for fame. And we'll talk about it when we talk about the clinical studies. But before that, I would like you to uh, walk me through the process using your device in the operating room. How does it work? The surgeon, and this is the purpose of the procedure, first uh, he actually uh, excises, cuts the malignant tissue out of the patient's breast. He knows where is the cancer. He cannot actually know whether he removed everything or not. In order to take advantage of our MRI system in real time during the procedure, the surgeon would like to keep the orientation of the tissue that has been removed. So when I say orientation, it's exactly where it was taken, in what angle. There are several ways to do it with clips, with wires. What we prefer and recommend is actually to use a, a color coding, six colors. So the surgeon treats 
the tissue, which is three-dimensional, as a cube, although we know it's not a cube. So he stains the six aspects, six faces of the tissue with six colors, with a specific color coding, and he knows exactly which color uh, actually marks an area that was taken from each place in the patient breast. And this after, will allow, allow him, after, the, after he receives the input from your device, if there is additional tissue that he needs to remove, this coloring would allow him to go back exactly to where he needs in order to excise additional tissue. This is the idea, right? Yes, exactly. And also, and it's, uh, it's important to mention that these are uh, dyes that are used routinely by pathologists and that do not harm the tissue. Yes, it's bio-ink. Yeah. And the, the pathologists are using actually the same method and the same color coding uh, uh, to mark the tissue. Uh, after the inking, the coloring yeah. uh, of tissue, the surgeon needs actually to decide where he would like to scan. Some uh, surgeons would like to scan the entire tissue, uh, all the six aspects. This is what we did in our clinical studies. Some of them would like to scan only one aspect. Some of them suspect a specific area in one specific aspect. So after the surgeon decided where he would like to scan in what aspect, he actually put tissue inside our disposable, which we call clear cost tissue container. And uh, after he chose aspect that he would like to scan, he would like to put it on the glass that we have in the tissue container in the lower part in order to attach it to the glass, he puts it inside uh, our scanner for three seconds of vacuum and then slides the tissue container inside the machine. The first thing that we do, we have a regular optical camera inside our MRI scanner. So we take an optical picture of the tissue. When I say the tissue, it's of course the aspect that was attached to the glass. So one color and you see on the side some uh, other colors from the other uh, sides of the other aspects. And uh, then we actually, or the machine start to do the scan pixel by pixel. We create a special image that you can see on the screen of our machine on the right side. And this uh, picture is very, very easy to understand and to interpret. You don't need to be a, radiolo a radiologist or a pathologist. And I can tell you, Adi, you don't even need to be a surgeon or a physician to understand it. It actually shows two colors. All the areas that are colored in blue are non-suspicious to be cancerous. All the areas that are colored in red are suspicious to be cancerous. We send back from the image that we created the red pixels to the optical picture that we actually took at the beginning. And based on the location of the red pixels and on the color, the surgeon knows exactly where to get back to the patient that is still lying on the bed inside the operating room and do the correction in order not to leave the residuals of cancer in her breast. So he knows exactly where to do it. And it means that he does another cut, another excision. And we can, of course, scan this second tissue that was removed from the patient uh, again with our MRI scanner. It's important to say that we do not change the shape of the tissue that is being scanned by our device 
We do not put any materials, no liquids, nothing. We would like to maintain it as actually it came to us, to the machine. Why? Because after we finish to do the scan, the tissue will be sent to the pathologist. The pathologist is the gold standard and the pathologist will do the margin assessment after our first or first with second scan as he used to do uh, if we wouldn't be in the operating room. This is very important. We are not going to replace the pathologist. We are not going to be instead of the pathologist. On the contrary, in some cases, we can even help the pathologist and to guide uh, the pathology where to look. But again, what is really important is to prevent the second surgery with regard to the patient. So the pathology is indeed the gold standard, but in recent years, the several uh, several new solutions came into the market in order to try and answer such a need, the need that you described earlier. Let's talk a little bit about the competitors. Okay, we're talking about area which we call margin assessment. And uh, the margin assessment has been evolving in the last uh, 12 to 15 years. At the beginning, after the tissue was excised, was cut from uh, the patient breast, it was provided to a pathologist if this pathologist would uh, be available, you know, immediately after the surgery. And in order to bring a result relatively fast, when I say fast, it's one to two hours, it's not minutes, uh, then what the pathologist did is using a method which is called frozen section, he actually freezed the uh, tissue, he made several slices and looked under the microscope. Of course, it requires a pathologist because the image in the microscope is histological and nobody other than pathologists or radiologists can understand. If he found some residuals, he would actually uh, go back to the surgeon and says and ask him to do additional uh, excision of the uh, uh, malignant tissue. Of course, since it takes one to two hours, then it can only be done in places that can hold the uh, operating room uh, occupied for this amount of time. This does not happen in most of the hospitals in the world. Second uh, method that physician used, uh, and uh, it actually was theoretically a competition, is some uh, you know imaging modalities like uh, ultrasound, uh, for example, uh, or x-ray. Now, in ultrasound and x-ray, you can see whether the tissue is uh, regular or irregular, but you cannot say for sure whether the tissue is cancerous or not. There are still some hospitals that are using uh, x-ray and ultrasound uh, at the beginning of the surgery to guide the surgeon to the right location. But this is not to actually uh, uh, assess uh, whether it's cancerous or not. In the last seven to 10 years, uh, several uh, companies came with uh, several technologies for margin assessment. The first technology uh, was uh, RF spectroscopy. Uh, for example, a company with the name Dune Medical uh, did it. There were two disadvantages in using this technology. The first one is that uh, it was done with a manual probe that the surgeon actually moved manually from one point to another, so it missed a lot. Uh, 
And the second uh, disadvantage is that uh, the clinical results were not good enough. So today we don't find many uh, users of uh, such technology. Then came other technologies that uh, still exist today and uh, they are continued actually to develop them. One is called uh, optical coherence tomography, uh, another is called uh, confocal microscopy. The problem in those uh, technologies is that, again, they create an image that only a pathologist or radiologist can understand, but they are not in the operating room. So what they are trying to do is they are trying to find a method, maybe using artificial intelligence that will take time and will require a lot of uh, uh, many uh, you know, uh, patients in clinical studies to prove it in order to uh, create something that the surgeon will understand. But today, still, today it's exist. fair to say that you are the only company with a solution that does not require the involvement of a pathologist. The exactly. surgeon can interpret the result or the input provided by your device in real time, and it does not require the involvement of anybody. This is one, one unique advantage that you currently have over other competitors. You are correct, Adi, and this is uh, the time to say that uh, if you look at all the existing technology of margin assessment, we are the only one with MRI. And this by itself is a big advantage because MRI is known, and we didn't invent the MRI for uh, the capability of cancer detection, while all the other technologies uh, need to prove themselves and convince physicians, surgeons, and uh, uh, scientists, uh, why uh, they are actually good for this uh, margin assessment. And by the way, one of the reasons that we are the only one with MRI is what I actually mentioned at the beginning, and this is our strong intellectual property. Let's move forward. Let's talk about your clinical data, the clinical data you generated up until now, mostly in Europe, right? Yes. So in the last uh, seven or eight years, we did several clinical studies. Uh, the first one was a feasibility study just to see that uh, we do the right thing and uh, we are successful in this cancer detection. It was a study that was called point to point. We chose several points on the margin. We scanned them. We decided if we detect a cancerous area, then we sent it blindly to the pathologist. He did the same and we compared the results. We had very promising results and then we started to work uh, more on the development of the machine. And we did uh, additional two trials that were more close to the real world, not just to pick several points on the margin, but to scan the entire margin. We call this margin to margin. Uh, we actually compared what we detected in the entire margin. Again, the pathologists did the same. We compared the results. We had very good results that uh, thanks to those results in the clinical studies, uh, we received the regulatory approval in Europe, the CMARC. Uh, afterwards, uh, we did uh, a different study, uh, which was the first one that the surgeon was involved. Okay, so we call it MRO, magnetic resonance outcome. And uh, we actually uh, scanned the tissue and then the surgeon looks at our results and made a decision whether he needs to do correction, and if so, where exactly to do it. This study, which we are going, by the way, to uh, do a new publication in the next uh, coming months, 
like we did publications for the other studies. We actually show that we have sensitivity very high, around 80%, and also sensitivity uh, specificity very high, close to 80%. And I must say that based on formal publication uh, of our comp competitors, we are in much better performance. So if we are close to 80% in those parameters, they are around 40 or 50%, which is a huge difference that differentiates us from the other competitors. And the fact that we produce an image that everybody can understand is also another advantage that we have very clearly. So following regulatory approval in Europe, you partnered with a strong European-German partner. Say a few words about the business model. Okay, as I said, uh, uh, our product contains two parts. The uh, machine, the MRI machine, the capital equipment, and the disposable part, okay, the tissue container. Now, today, in 2023, we did the initial sales. And when I say sales, it's actually what we sold to the distributor, to the German distributor. So we have a transfer prices of both the capital equipment and the tissue container. Business model right now is that our distributor also sells the capital equipment and the tissue containers to the customers. The end user price of uh, the capital equipment is in the area of magnitude, like all the other competitors around $150,000. And the end user price of the disposable is around five to six hundred dollars. So this is our business model right now. But we know that this is something that will also uh, need to be evolved, depends on the country, depends on the reimbursement system in each and every location. So we can anticipate uh, several models in the future. One of them will be to lease the device and sell the disposable for higher price, or if, for example, it's very, very big hospital with many lumpectomy procedures, it can be that we will lend uh, the device and uh, they will buy, uh, you know, a package of many uh, disposables in advance for higher price. So it will be a mix of uh, several uh, business models. And at the end, it could be even that uh, we will give all the disposables and uh, we will charge per click what we call okay per procedure uh, and we will not need actually to charge for every uh, disposable uh, physically and so the prices are in the same ballpark as your uh, competitors in essence yes we continue to follow up what our competitors are doing and uh, we're trying to be uh, in the prices competitive the performance we Super. are there Let's talk a little bit about the upcoming clinical development in the U.S. This is this is the next step, right? And you you're currently um, discussing the design of the study with the FDA. How would this study look like? What can you tell us? First of all, you're right. Uh, this is uh, very very important for us uh, because the U.S. market is a huge market, and we would like to be the and currently we have only the European uh, uh, regulatory approval. So uh, what we did, uh, we are using uh, consultants and uh, several physicians from the United States, 
Uh, one of them is uh, Dr. Barry Rosen, our chief medical officer. He's a well-known breast surgeon from Chicago area. Another one is uh, Dr. Freya Schnabel. She's a well-known breast surgeon from New York and very experienced in margin assessment. All of them together helped us to build the protocol and the structure of the study. We already met with the FDA. It's called pre-submission meeting. We presented everything uh, after planning it with our consultants. And we're happy to say that FDA accepted uh, our clinical study. So the structure will be the following. We are talking about the study with 400, about 400 patients. Since uh, we anticipate uh, that it will take about a year and a half, and since we want to do it uh, relatively and to finish it relatively fast, it will be done in eight to 10 centers. By the way, the FDA allows that up to half of the clinical centers in the US study can be out of uh, the United States. So we can use well-known uh, centers in Europe, also in, in Israel. Uh, what actually will be the endpoints, uh, we uh, agreed with the FDA about two endpoints. The primary endpoints will be unaddressed positive margin, meaning that after the surgeon did everything and sent the tissue to the pathologist, the pathologist finds what are the unaddressed positive margin, and uh, it will be compared to the control group that didn't uh, have in the operating room our device. The secondary endpoint will be the number of the reaccession rate, the second surgery. And this will also be compared uh, to the uh, control group that actually didn't went through the uh, scan of uh, our device yeah. uh, inside the operating room. By the way, it's important to say that reaccession rate uh, which is what we want to achieve, is not in 100% correlated to the performance of our device because there are cases where we or uh, the pathologist uh, recommend to do additional uh, surgery, but uh, it will not be uh, conducted before because the surgeon may decide that the patient will go to radiation or chemotherapy or in some cases, even the patient uh, decides not to go for a second surgery. But in most of the cases, there is a correlation between the re-excision. This is what we want to prove in the clinical study in the United States. And besides the clinical study in the United States, I think that moving forward, it would be relatively, I would call it easy, somewhat easy, to, to show that you're able to reduce the second surgery because you're already in the market. And you would be able to show this with real-world evidence, which is by far more important than the data you can generate with a clinical study, which is a little bit different than reality, especially in such uh, circumstances. So I think that moving forward, you would be able to generate plenty of such data, primarily from Europe and hopefully uh, moving forward from the US as well. So first of all, we will continue to strengthen our clinical evidence this is what we would like to do. You said something very important. Since we are already selling in Europe and we have the approval, uh, we will take advantage of the fact that uh, it can be done through what we call post-market studies. So in clinical studies, at the beginning of the days of the company, we had to fund everything to pay for 
all the study to pay for the surgeons and the patients and the, uh, everything. And in post-market studies, it will be, you know, much lower expense for the company. I wanted to ask you a question about additional indications because your technology can be applied to many procedures in which the surgeon excise malignant tissue from the patient's body. And the fact that you're already in the market would make it very, very easy to move forward in that direction once you secure the funds you need to do that because the surgeons are already using it, right? It's there, it's in the hospital. It would be very, very easy to pursue new indications. What other indications are, uh, are you considering? So as you said, uh, we, we have an MRI system that can be used for many types of cancer. The most important principle is because we are only testing the margin and not uh, the entire in-depth tissue, is the need for real-time answer during the surgery. So currently we are thinking about uh, two applications that we will of course uh, test uh, before we decide which will be the next product. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is lung cancer. Uh, and we're talking about surgeries where the surgeon excise part of the uh, lung uh, with a malignant uh, tissue, not when it takes the entire lobe out, then you don't need real-time real answer. In lung cancer, there is also another thing, and this is actually the difficulty in biopsy to be sure that you took the sample from the right location. And this is something that we can help also with our uh, uh, scan of uh, the excised uh, tissue. Another application that we will also consider is a special procedure of skin cancer, which is called MOS, usually done in uh, visible organs of the body. Think about a person that has cancer on his face. Uh, you don't want you know, to drill very deep inside the face and say, you're clean, you don't have cancer, but you look uh, you know, like a zombie. And what people are using today is what I mentioned and explained as frozen section, you know, a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more, but frozen section has disadvantages and many dermatologists and uh, skin uh, uh, cancer uh, surgeons actually uh, went uh, and uh, met with us and said that they think it's very important. So these are the two applications that we will consider. Sounds very exciting. Let's go back for a second to talk about the market of the breast cancer. How do you foresee revenue in this market? Give me kind of the high level numbers so we get the ballpark of your understanding of this market. So uh, based on uh, the number of lumpectomies that we already mentioned, more than 1 million today uh, around the world. And if you take uh, the current pricing that we would charge for our devices, we believe that uh, in the next uh, two years, we will reach 5% market share in the world. And uh, after four years, uh, we will reach uh, more than 15% of the market. Of course, it depends on the competition, but we are there now. We already showed the clinical results and the performance, which is actually much advantages and higher than our competition. So this is actually uh, what we believe will be our market share. And we are talking only about breast cancer. And if we go to other application, then this number will change on the positive side. 
Okay, so up until now, now you guys raised $23 million, right? Right. Which supported all your activity, the clinical development, the, the device development, the CE, and the initiation of uh, sales and marketing in Europe. Moving forward, how much money do you need to raise and what are you going to do with it? So currently our target in this uh, financing round is around $15 million. We will use this amount of money for several activities. First of all, and most important, as we mentioned, the clinical study uh, in the United States and uh, getting the FDA approval and starting the activities there. This will cost around half of uh, this uh, financing, around seven to $8 million. And the other half uh, will be used uh, to continue push the sales in Europe, to penetrate uh, to countries out of Europe and out of the United States while we still don't have the FDA approval, to the development of the second application and maybe do some feasibility for other application for the future. And also, uh, something that uh, at the beginning I mentioned, we already uh, working uh, on the development of the second generation device that will have uh, many advantages, uh, but uh, this is still under development. We will not go into details right now. So let me uh, try and summarize the value proposition uh, you showed to date. So you have, a, you have a device, but I don't know if we mentioned it, it's called Clear Coast, okay? ClearCoast is a first-to-market portable MRI, which allows in real time to show the surgeon if the margins are clean. And the first indication is, as we discussed, lumpectomy procedures. You have a strong IP portfolio. The system employs diffusion-weighted imaging technology, right? A long-recognized diagnostic tool that distinguishes between cancer cell and normal tissue. And in, in that sense, I think that the adoption is somewhat easier because people are very well aware with this MRI capability. You look at the market of roughly 1 million procedures a year. So if you're earning money only from the disposable and you sell a piece for $500, that means, and you get, a, let's say, a market share of 20%, then you are able to generate revenue of about $100 million in a given year, only for this indication. You have clinical studies that demonstrated high performance and potential for significant reduction of additional surgeries. In that sense, this is a huge mitigation to the, the upcoming clinical study in the, in the U.S. There is almost a 100% probability that you would be able to achieve your primary endpoint. Sure. We, told that, that we said that the system is CE marked and you're already selling. And the clinical study in the U.S. would start after you finalize this round of uh, fundraising. And according to your estimation, the product can receive FDA approval by the beginning of 2026. Right. This is what we hope and this is what we're planning. And uh, there are additional indications which are extremely relevant for this technology. So I, I must ask you something that many uh, investors are interested in which is what are the main risks? How do you perceive your main risks and how do you intend to mitigate them? Okay, first of all, uh, let's not forget, and this is actually my role and my responsibility, we are still a small startup company and we are still just beginning, you know, to show the device, to sell it, to show that uh, it has many advantages uh, for surgeons, for uh, 
patience and forbearance. We are at the beginning of in our way. The first risk that uh, I see is actually how much time it will take us to show and to prove that we definitely reduce the re-excision, the second surgeries, okay? Because this is very important as one of the parameters, the economic parameters, and this is very important for hospitals and all the buyers. So we don't know how much it will take us, and this is definitely a risk. If I think about how we can mitigate this risk, the only way to do it is, you know, to enhance our presence and sales and clinical proofs, meaning we mentioned the post-market studies that we will continue to do currently in Europe, afterwards out of Europe and out of in the United States, and hopefully also we will show it in the clinical study in the United States. So this is the first risk that I see. The second risk is something that I believe every company must uh, see in front of our eyes all the time, and this is the competition. We continue to follow up everything that our competitors are doing, okay? We do it uh, when we go to uh, trade shows and conferences and we look at the papers and everything. They have progress and we need to take it into consideration. We need also to continue and to do development uh, to increase our efficacy and effectiveness, but this is a risk. And uh, the only way, again, to reduce this risk is to increase our presence in the market. I believe that we have advantage because if I already said, and you mentioned it, that uh, currently we can immediately have the surgeon inside the operating room because of the easy way to interpret what we produce, the image that we produce. This is the advantage that we have currently, and it will help us to increase the presence, hopefully to gain enough market share that uh, even if our competitors uh, will have better products, still many physicians, hospitals, investors, whoever, will know us, will know our advantages, will believe in what we are doing, and this is actually reduce, will reduce the risk. Makes sense. We're nearing the end of our meeting, and I would like to ask, how do you want to summarize our encounter? So to summarize this meeting, I would like to talk about the most important thing, and this is the patients. They have the fear that uh, even they went through a surgery, they didn't get rid of the entire disease, okay? Uh, it could be that they will be uh, called for a second surgery, and if they will be called for a second surgery, maybe something will be there they don't know. With our technology, with our innovation, we showed and we can certainly reduce the number of re-excision. And if we do this, there is also a high probability that we will help those patients uh, to be more clear and clean from the disease, from the cancer. So we believe that our clear coast MRI system is and will be a game changer, and then the coast will definitely be more clear. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I hope this podcast will help you guys raise the capital you need. I hope that women that need to undergo lapectomy would be aware 
of this technology and would be able to avoid second surgery, the trauma of breast cancer is more than enough. For audience interested in learning more about the clinical data generated by ClearCut, I recommend visiting ClearCut website. This podcast is available on my LinkedIn page called The Healthcare Stage and also on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you're working at companies developing novel solutions aimed at improving the lives of others, or you are a researcher in hospital or academia conducting groundbreaking research with potential clinical application, do get in touch with me at adi at thehealthcarestage.com. Chazi, I hope the company will achieve all its milestones. Thank you so much for coming over. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, Adi. And uh, it's always a pleasure, you know, to speak with someone that uh, comes from this uh, industry and understand it. Thank you for all your work. Uh, excellent work. Thank you.